Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Inside the Comedian with me, David Reed. Mike, are you well? Are you well? I am, I am. I'm nursing a, a bit of a throat, the end of the season throat. Yes. I've got a bit of uh, pastilles going. Pastilles? Pastilles, yes, the vocal zone. Ah, the vocal zone, yes. Uh, those, are, those are the uh, pastilles that only actors use because they taste so disgusting. They are. Yes. They're like sucking on a hockey puck, I'm led to believe. <laughs> or a really highly compressed koala turd. Right, right, which is what they make hockey pucks out of. So if we could start the interview yes, um, uh, with, uh, by finding the corners of Mike McShane um, uh, before the real duvet stuffing of your career. Um, <laughs> the ovoid years, I call it. The ovoid years, yes, absolutely. You were quite an unruly child, I hear. I was a, I was a, a pretty crazy child when I was young. I was very emphatic. Um, I was lucky enough to be like a middle-class kid, um, so I went to kindergarten, and uh, one of the earliest memories was, um, I like to think of myself as creative, but I found that they would take refrigerator boxes and build little villages to teach you how to like exchange and do proper things, and me and two other guys got on tricycles and we'd like Viking marauders and kick over the boxes right. and take shit and like run off, and I didn't know if that was a bad thing. You would pillage the other children. I pillaged the other children. <laughs> wow. Kid pillager. Right. I, where, do, where does that sort of impulse to pillage come from? Do you um, think? I think I uh, was uh, just a giant gland as a child. Right. And a giant happy gland. And um, oh, it came from a happy place. I kind of did. I, I, I didn't. I didn't realize I was doing things wrong until maybe around eleven uh, or twelve. Right. Uh, and I was getting away with a lot of stuff. And all that time, I, yeah, because I, I wasn't uh, uh, athletic. I was enthusiastic and large. Which in, in guy language it creates put him on a football team. But then, you know, they knocked me over. I'm like, I don't want to get hurt. Yes, I, I, there's no enthusiasm Olympics as yet, is there? <laughs> so you went you it, it was enthusiasm, it, it wasn't violence, you think, that was inherent in your No, no, no. I was only violent to uh lawns. Lawns? <laughs> right. Uh what did you do to lawns? I had a lot of anger and I knew not to take it out on people or things or, or, or animals. And so I would punch my lawn when I was a kid. Wow, right. Yeah, save my dad on mowing. Right. So fantastic. I mean, did you kneal down to do this, or do you yeah, have fantastic just, reach? Yeah, I would just fist punch the lawn like a, like a, like a sheep, like, with like a perverse sheep. I would just prop it with my fist. Right. Wow, that, I, I, I kind of want to try that now. I've never done that. I can't believe I've, I've had a lawn in my life. Uh, for a few years now, and I've never tried punching it really, really hard. Maybe you know, because it's an island, there's not a lot of space. Maybe people in the country like Yorkshire have lawn punchers or something, and they right. do really well. Yes, whereas in London, you, you're just punching balcony, and that's often, <laughs> that's often quite painful. Aggregate, not good on it's the hands. It's not good, it's not good. 
No, and it's, it's covered in, in crow shit as well. I don't know if you've been to London recently, but the crows are really edging out the pigeons. In, in, in a sort of avine Game of Thrones recreation. Uh, as they battle for dominance over, over wow. the city. Yeah, it's it's sort of like the wall walkers up here, if you have, if you look at the Scottish seagulls right. up here, which are, I figured if I'd ever had... Beyond the wall, you've got the seagulls. Yeah, the seagulls. Because yeah, right. if I had a big career and I wanted, like, bouncers, I would get Scottish seagulls. Yeah, because they're terrifying. I, I often cute. think if, if seagulls ever worked out that they could cooperate with each other, then we'd all be fucked. I do. I respect them. I offer them a bottle of buck fast and two slices of square sausage every time I come here. They leave me alone. Wow. They go after other bald guys. Um, so, um, what were you enthusiastic about, do you think? Where did all of that energy come from? I mean, were, were your parents similar? Or? No. No, I was adopted. Oh, I see. I was adopted, um, and uh, my parents were very, very different from me. Uh, they're much older. Right, yes. <laughs> that can happen with adoption yeah. sometimes, that your parents end up older than you. It's, I had, it's I a had, tragedy, really, but, but you know, yeah. you, you, you adapt, don't you? So you didn't find uh, performing immediately, uh, I'm led to believe. I mean, in, in fact, you, you, uh, I think you joined the army. First. I was in the military. Yeah. yeah. What was that? What was that like? Was it, was it all, all fun and hijinks, like like mash, or, or was it sort of a psychological hell, robbing you of all identity and humanity, like Dad's army? It was. Yeah, it was right. Yes. You get both tastes. Yes. Yes. It's yeah. sort of like it's like a parfait of pain and joy, and it's yeah. the '70s. So. So what happened? What attracted you to the army? I liked the military. My dad was a postman, so he's wearing a uniform. Right. And he was very military in his bearing, but actually a nice guy. Um, yeah, the, the postal service is sort of like the forgotten military arm of the military, isn't it? <laughs> well, it was, it was a public service then. It wasn't a commercial. It wasn't commercialized. Oh, it wasn't I see. bought out then. And so, you know, he, you know, I'd be shine my dad's shoes and he'd get up in the morning and he'd like go, one, you know, take out the garbage, feed Scotty, you know, obey your mother, four, uh, have Who a good day. Scotty? Scotty was a dog. I had, oh, good, I had a Manchester good. toy terrier. Because I was going to say, you've got a brother there. Um, but <laughs> We had a rental dog. And I didn't know when I first got him. How do you rent a dog? I came home from camp, and there was this dog. And I was like, wow. And it was this little, uh, tiny Manchester toy terrier. He kind of looked like a sawed-off dough ring. He had the same coloring. Right. <clears throat> he was one of those dogs. Where I'd get him worked up, and he'd just whip around the yard. And he also served a very important purpose, because the only two women from the country, from the farm, my mom was a farm girl, farm woman, and the only other uh, sister that moved into Kansas City was my Aunt Margie, who was my babysitter. And I don't know if you guys know a character actress from the 40s and 50s named Mary Wicks. She's like a nun in Sister Act, and she's in uh, the, the, yeah. You don't, need to, you yeah. don't need to explain. She's massive over here. She's <laughs> absolutely but huge. My Aunt Margie was like an evil Mary Wicks. Yeah, this sort of voice like this. Land sakes, Mike, get your butt back in here. Oh, it's like being a Mary Wicks con all over again. <laughs> But uh, we all hated her. She was just this big pain in the ass. And she'd come and visit, bores to tears. My Aunt Margie, because she was a big woman, had big fucking calves. Big, right. big, big, glorious, shiny calves that the dog loved <laughs> to no end. He was really fixed. That was Valhalla for Scotty. So in what sense? Which end of the dog loved the calves? The, 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 the part that a canine could only enjoy when it's long and shiny. Oh, and my word. And so my dad would be tired. We'd go, get the dog. And then open the door up, and Scotty would come here like, boom! God, lay 
God's sakes, Ruby, get this dog. Damn that animal. Mac, I'm going home. She get in the car and leave. Wow. And so that was our relationship. Wow. Yeah. It was the way to get rid of Aunt Mudgy. That's, that's, yeah. and, and, and so that's why you joined the army. No, uh, I was, it was a perfect life. Right. It's the circuitous way to say that I enjoyed a perfect Midwestern life. By the time I turned to a teenager, I was a truculent, messed up kid. Sure. And around uh, 17, uh, at the end of the Vietnam era, they had this, uh, you could join with a buddy. And so me and a guy named John Lyons, who... That sounds like such a wonderful opportunity. <laughs> Come be at the Vietnam War with a friend. It's all over. So I was 18, and you know, I did that. My dad was always, when you're 18 years old, you're on your own, you're out of this house. It was a pain in the ass. Right. And, and I said, okay, we're drunk. We, got, we just turned 18, so you could get booze. And so we drank Bali High wine, which is this hippie wine with fruit juice in it, and sat on a median strip in our neighborhood. And just, we thought we were cool. <laughs> I'm going to join the army. Yeah, 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 let's do that. All right, yeah, okay. We'll join together. All right, man, all right, man, all right, cool. So I go home. Hey, Dad, what's going on, boy? I'm joining the military. He's like, what? And I go, I'm joining the army. I'm 18. You want me out of the house? He goes, whoa, 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 whoa. First time my dad, let's just slow them down. <laughs> Yeah, you could be in the postal service. <laughs> you know, let's not, let's not over-egg it here. He was a vet. He was a long-term vet. He was a lifer, as we call it. Spent most of his life in the military but from, like, 18 on. So he goes, okay, okay, Vietnam's ended. So the Army then is like a badly run company with an infinite amount of money. He'll do good. <laughs> and he says, but you can't quit because I'm the, you know, I was like, I don't want to do that. I leave. So he goes, you can't quit. Why? They'll shoot you. I go, okay, good. I got that. Well, hang on. You, they, they shoot you if you quit? Well, during the time of war, if you desert, you can be shot. Sure. So, so it wasn't your calling, ultimately, though, was it? It wasn't. Well, I got two, I got, you got three alternatives. You could pick your job. That was the other deal. You could pick your MOS. And so I had um, entertainment specialist, illustrator, and the other job was a dental laboratory technician in Heidelberg, Germany. And so, and so I became an entertainment specialist. And after basic training, barely making it through basic, I got sent to Fort Knox, Kentucky. Fort Knox. You were the entertainment specialist at Fort Knox. At the NCO club. Right. So, uh, so how do you entertain the guards at Fort Knox? I mean, presumably they have to focus. Um, when do you entertain them? Oh, you often fill your bag with bricks and go, I'm stealing the gold. Uh, they, they're like, they, they oh, no, no. They love it. Because you go first, you go, am I going to guard the gold? Like, Are you fucking kidding me? You stupid fucking dog face. No, we hire professional security people to guard the gold. You clean their toilets. I go, right on. But then I got, there's an NCO club, and he, this guy, uh, Captain Bob Enyart, Cowboy Bob, uh, let me book the weekday acts of country western, a little rock and roll bands, um, and then the weekend he handled, and I dealt marijuana to the officers. It was a nice thing. Right. <laughs> and that's the entertainment specialist. No. That they said, them. hey, they're doing a play on the base. They're doing Woody Allen's. Hang on. Yeah. They, they, you put on plays at Fort Knox. Woody Allen Is plays. Fort Knox just a, a really expensive American school? <laughs> it kind of was. It's like we put on the end of term production. Yeah. We're doing Joseph. <laughs> doing Joseph. Joseph the amazing camouflage dream coat. That's it. It's fantastic. <laughs> Lovely production if you've not seen it. But I did this, I did a, a Woody Allen play, and so, because the officers' wives were in it, the officers were producing. Officers were producers. That shows you where the showbiz division really is. It's almost like they had nothing else to do, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was a bit like, like that. Well, because really, the war was over. Um, Saigon had fallen. We'd all left. It was all recon. But the Viet Cong weren't going to try and take Fort Knox because the war was over. Exactly. Finally, that threat was done. <laughs> and also, it was a useless. Fort Knox was a base for the armor division, which are tanks. 
they didn't use a lot of tanks in no. Vietnam. They don't get very far. No. And so that part of that that part of that military didn't have a lot to do. The it? tiny tanks they did make to go down the tunnels. Yes. Um, the, were, the rat hole tanks. He used to right, call the them. Rat hole yes. tanks. Yeah. You, you, you could only get the smallest of soldiers in those, and only yes. one at a time. Yeah, that was the 577, the Dinky Boys. That's right, the Dinky Boys. Incredible tank. Uh, not many of them around anymore because no. they all got stuck underground. You can still hear them screaming sometimes at night. It's odd that they added the screaming function on the tank. Um, but it was kind of like a sonar. Yeah. But kind of scary. Right. It, it, it was a psychological warfare thing, I think. The, the, the screaming tanks coming for you underground. You know, that, well, that can change your strategy. Well, the American Eagle will get you anywhere, even under the dirt. That's it. That's it. So the military, uh, I had a good time with that. And then I uh, got moved to California. California. So in- I got stationed in California after I got uh, busted. Busted. I got busted for, so I did. Yeah, I, I, I did dabbling and dealing drugs then. And so were you busted for the drug dealing or for the the putting on of plays? <laughs> Probably a little both. A little of both. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I got a little too close to like. Yeah, I was having a good time. They decided, no, you can't. Right. Yes. So. Yes. Uh, so <coughs> we don't want you to have a good time. Go to California. Well, yeah, that's it. Here's the thing. You go. You go. You go. Sergeant Major has a case of the ass, which is American military. He hates you. And he's got a, a case, case of the a ass. Case of the ass. Not a half a case. Mm. Not a butcher's dozen. A case of the ass. That means something very different if you said in a restaurant. <laughs> we'll have a case of the ass, please. The house ass. House exactly. We're not fussy. Ah, uh, Monsieur. <laughs> so I got to California. And I went, great, I'm going to California. This is fantastic. And so I went to Stockton in the Central Valley, which is part of the Grapes of Wrath territory and is now the poorest city in America. Is that your fault? <laughs> you know, the GDP was going pretty good until I showed up. Right. Right. And I mean, I think you, you, you share your time between America and Britain, and those two countries have gone down the toilet recently. I'm not saying it's all your fault, but you know, there's it's a all part of my craven plan to bring you down. <laughs> Are you, a, are you a Russian agent? <laughs> yes, and you know I have had a very good time here. Salisbury Cathedral is 575 meters tall and has a charming name. It does have a charming name. His name's Darren. Um, if you'd like to see the next series of Inside the Comedian recorded live, then we have a monthly residency at King's Place Theatre in London. For full details, go to mrdavidreed.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. 
At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So what was the first act you did then as a, as a comedian? How did that come about? So I got to San Francisco, and there was a theater called the One Act Theater, and uh, they had lunchtime theater, and they'd pay you 20 bucks a week to do a play. And in did, one act? In a one act play. So people come down from like the, the business district and watch you do a play. It belonged to Elsa Lan- Lanchester, Lan- Lanchester, the actress. It was a theater of the Huge fans home. over here. <clears throat> well known, Bride of Frank, she was the bride. Right. Charles Lawton's wife. Right, Bride of Frankenstein. She invested in this. You know, the, the costume that people have. You know, we, we know her as a costume over here. At <laughs> Halloween party. Um, so, um, you, you were discovered, though, weren't you? She right? would be so upset with that. Of course she would. Of course she would, but she's probably long dead, right? Yes. Yeah, we're fine, guys. Um, uh, I have no problem insulting the dead. No that's problem great, at that's all. That's a great spiritualist show. Yeah, insulting great, the dead. Insulting the dead. They're not here to defend themselves. Let's go. I will. God damn it, let me come back. And you know who else was a prick in the past? Um, no. um, but but you, you did come over to, to Britain. You came over to Britain to, to, to be in the uh, improvisational sketch show Too Cheap to Pay Writers. Uh, yes, it is, yeah. Uh, uh, was, that, was that a turning point for you? you it was you a turning think? point. Yeah. I, I auditioned. Where did you turn to? Well, I, I came here and um, I was uh, picked up because of my talent by a producer for uh, Too Cheap to Pay the Writers Anyway yes. show uh, named Dan Boom Boom Levinowitz. Right. He was a fantastic yes, guy. I know him, yeah. Uh, they use his blood as an irritant in some creams. <laughs> wow. Yes. Wow. And, and uh, what they just sort of take a pint a week or something. And not that much. He's a really spiky motherfucker. Right. Um, and well, he has a, he's a mild irritant, but it's a prolonged irritation. Right. It's sort of like a food that doesn't digest, and then it comes up like reflux and asks you, "Is everything's okay?" Right. But doesn't really care, and it goes back down and irritates you some more. Does it irritate him uh, inside his system? Is he in a constant? Uh, no, I think it's a parasitical relationship. The right. more the more you pump to like antihistamines to block it the more he feeds on them right. until he's like a, an engorged eggplant uh, <laughs> with a really nice shirt and pants. Right, yeah, you know. I mean, an, an engorged eggplant with a really nice shirt and pants is, is quite, a, quite an image. Imagine, imagine a tick with a house in Hampstead. <laughs> yeah. I would watch that. Um, you, but you, you became a household name in this country. I did, I was very lucky because I did a show with people who later became a lot of stars. There was a Josie Weimer-Reiner, the only dog singer uh, that's that was right. on the show. The only dog singer. Mm-hmm. We, um, 
Tony, the self-immolating act. That's right. Uh, who just, uh, at the end of every show, just set himself on fire. Exactly. It was, yeah, it was he, like a rack He wouldn't flat. come back until the next series when his skin had grown back. <laughs> yes. Uh, but incredible scenes, really. It was an experimental time for television. But what, what was it like being accepted, be, being brought to the bosom of, of a country that wasn't your own? Was, it, was that difficult to deal with, or was, was it was it wonderful? I mean, you really felt good. You, 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 you would come in, and you'd get off the plane, and go, oh, smell the indifference. Yeah. And uh, it was the, it was the, you know the end of Thatcher era, and so the country was looking for uh, somebody to blame, and I was there. Oh, that's nice. That's yeah, nice. That was nice. You were a scapegoat for the, the Thatcher regime. Yes, I was. I was a whole herd of. I was a scape herd. <laughs> um, yes, because it, it was it was a strange time for Britain, wasn't it? Really, I mean, uh, everyone was quite sad. It was quite sad, and they were trying to find their national identity by doing... We're still trying. We haven't found it yet, but we're really crossed that we haven't. But you guys were... And so, and so that, that, that feels like an identity now that we've been crossed for so long, that it just seems like anger's our thing. Yeah, but you were doing it then with highly humiliating, humiliating dispiriting techniques. Wait a second. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah, it's true. Not much has changed. It's sort of cyclical. We went through the... got a bus! We've got a bus. We've got a bus going around. Well, no, I think the bus has been pulped yeah. now. Do you pulp a bus? <laughs> I don't know. Um, but, so are you still recognized on the street from that period? I am, but only uh, on Decatur Street in London. It's about two blocks long. Right. What, what, do, what do people say to you when they're um, recognized? It's you. It's you. <laughs> it's you. It's you again. Hard to deny. Hard to deny. Yeah. Um, and it's Scottish. They go, oh, fuck. He's him again. Right. Yes, they do in that in that in, in, inimitable accent that they have. Um, I did study at the Kevin Costner School of Dialects. <laughs> what a school it is! Closed now, of course. Uh, closed now. Uh, but uh, I, I believe um, uh, Russell Crowe studied at that same school. Um, yes. Um, now I think, but you went from there. That opened a lot of doors. Is what, what I'm getting to. It did. Yeah. I worked in a hotel as a doorman. That's right. And I, and I mean, I'm counting. I'm counting the rotating doors. As a Yes. of doors. It, it, it rotated one door for you. It was like Emil Yanni's, but with less pathos. Right. Me just opening the door and crying a lot. Oh, right. Uh, do, do people like to be welcomed by tears on their, the holiday of their dreams? It's showbiz. It's showbiz. <laughs> it is showbiz. Enter with tears, take a flower and go. So uh, how did you react to this new success of being in all these TV shows? <coughs> well, first it was pretty good. I yeah. enjoyed the attention. And then um, it started to affect me. Um, I sort of lost my moorings, um, showing up late to rehearsals, not really caring, learning lines and improv. That wasn't good. Mm. It didn't seem to work. Um, and so um, I decided I needed a spiritual adjustment. Right. And so what did you and do? I joined a cult. Right. Well, that, that sounds healthy. Which, which cult was it? Uh, it's called Spoons of Many Nations. Spoons of Many Nations. Yes, I've heard of them. They, they've got some famous people in them. Isn't um, uh, Gary Busey in Spoons of Gary Many Busey Nations? Gary Busey was in that, but his spoon got bent, and so out. Really? It was, you transgress, you're out. Is that it? Well, you're not supposed to bend the spoon. You're supposed to enhance and powerful the spoon. Each one gets an individual spoon, and you have a spoon mantra. Right. And you stare well, into the convex part of the spoon, and you recite the mantra. And then you turn it around... The, the concave part, yes, and then that's what's left in it you put in your mouth. So your prayers go through the back of the spoon, into the bottom of the spoon, and like a, like a medicine, you take it. 
right? I mean, it's incredible, incredible energy to that. And Gary just bent it. But Gary just bent it. Right. By the sheer force of his, I don't know. His, right. His, Did he, was he just not listening? Didn't understand what was happening? He's or? run out of a few called Busain, man. He's right. just like out yeah, of that's control. That's true. That's yeah. true. But, but, you, but you, you took to it rather, rather well. Are you still a pra practitioner? I'm or? a grand cutlery master. <laughs> wow. I didn't know we were in the presence of something. I hold the five sacred spoons and the teaspoon of destiny. Now? Yes, you'll hear it when I walk. Okay, okay. Well, enjoy that at the end. Um, you, you, did some, you did some, uh, some of the greatest comedy shows on television in your time as well. Did you? Guest starring. I Guest starring, yeah, yeah. So, you know, you were in Cheers, you were in Friends, uh, Two and a Half Men. Um, what, what, did you ever try and make your own show where you're the star? Did you ever try and get that off the ground? <clears throat> I did try to do my own work early on. Uh, when I first came to Hollywood, I had a kind of reputation. And so... Um, of being in the army and uh, of being in the army, or at least having some success in uh, who wants to pay a fucking writer anyway show. Yes, of course. And so I took and that so success. Go, this guy's great. We don't need writers at all. Get him in. If get him in. in. Yeah, get Maybe him in. He'll just give us lines for free while he's on his coffee break or something. <laughs> well, I did that, and I I would do a sort of ghostwriting. I would just walk up and down the production trailers, knock on the door. I go, "You got a donut and coffee? I got some jokes." And that's how Buster Keaton kept his shit yeah. together on the Columbia lot. So I thought I'd try that too. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I've, I found a couple of like-minded people uh, who were working in the parking lot. They didn't have offices. Right. And so we decided yeah, to start... Offices are a fairly modern invention. I don't know if you know that. But the idea of putting all of your shit indoors in one room, yeah, well, that wasn't how things were done. Exactly. And so these guys came up. They were parking attendants. And we started... Uh, it ran for five years very successfully, the parking channel, where it's just CCTV of parking structures. Right. And Very we would just switch between them, yes. And we'd have, like, Volkswagen lottery once a day that you'd watch it, and then you'd click your clicker, and if you lined up the three same-colored Volkswagens in a row, you'd win a prize. Right. Uh, a hand-fired vase by me. <laughs> <laughs> Makes perfect sense. I mean, the, the, front, the, the format writes itself, really. Um, and, and how many vases did you make in the, your time? Uh, 25. 25. Yes. 25 winners. Well, yeah, 25 winners and all, but I have, I kept one, 26 really. Sure. It was the first one I made. You yeah, know, you, anyway. you like to keep hold of your first vase. I mean, that's only fair. We all do it. Um, so I plan to be put in it when I die. Put into your, your vase? Cremated and packed in, yeah. Right, right. Um, <laughs> it wasn't just television either, was it? I mean, you, you, you were in some big Hollywood movies. I was in some big Hollywood movies. What was the greatest movie you were in? I think the greatest opportunity I had in the film, which nobody will ever see, is um, one of the great last films uh, by uh, a couple of fine Hollywood actors. I can't really say their names. Right. Um, it was so bad that they've been stricken from the record. And we, and we wouldn't have heard of them anymore. You wouldn't. Well, I don't remember them anymore. I had to go through an invasive surgical process wow. to have them removed from my mind, which great was covered by my equity health plan. Right. Well, that's very handy. But, I mean, when Hollywood expunges you, I mean, they really expunge you. They really do. Spielberg is known for expunging people. That's they, who they it was. Him. That's who I do remember. The last thing I remember was Spielberg saying, this will only hurt a little. Right. Yes. And then just whiteness. Yeah. So you don't know who these actors were, but you were definitely in a film. With One them. of them was very tall right. and angular. One was very squat and short. I can't tell. It might have been in a fun house, and it could have been the mirrors. Okay. <laughs> but I still get residual checks, which is weird. Somebody's watching it. How weird. I'm, 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 who's, who's the greatest actor you, you do remember working with? <clears throat> the greatest actor I do actually, actually truthfully remember working with was Sir John Gilgood. 
Sir John Gielgud. Yeah, I work with Gielgud. Uh, now, if you're not au fait with Sir John Gielgud, um, go away. Um, <laughs> incredible accent. Incredible yes. accent. Uh, incredible stage actor. Um, A fantastic actor. Yes, and an incredible actor of wizards and butlers in films. <laughs> the traditional English compliment. That's right. Wizard, butlers, and jars of mustard. You That's guys right. You do that like nobody's business. Oh, he did a jar of mustard like no one else. Oh, his Coleman's. Oh, <laughs> incredible, incredible performance. Hot English and left a stain. That's right. Which a lot of people said about Go Good. They did. Hot English and left a stain. But, but he, he sued them for saying it. And they yes, had to, he did. They had to retract it in public yes, later. Well, that's all the time we have. Mike McShane, thank you for letting us inside you. Thank you so much. Mike McShane. Thank you for listening to Inside the Comedian with me, your host, David Reed. If you've enjoyed the show, then please help us spread the word by liking Inside the Comedian on Facebook. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.